The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 1997 versus 2001. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man 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 leaves. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hit. Welcome back to Action Film Face Off, the show where two random years are selected. My brother brought an action film from one of those random years. I brought one from the other random years. These two films are going to do battle using a variety of criteria. And the champion's going to be crowned by the end of the episode. I am Jared Albrecht, the Death Probe. My co-host is my brother Jason, the Weasel Skull. We are both military combat veterans who take our action seriously, but not too seriously. So we are about to have some fun. Uh, Jason, here we go again with two Jasons on the show. Jason Albrecht. We'll get to our guest in a minute. Hint, his name is Jason as well. Jason, uh, I believe we have us a regular episode here. Nothing too fancy, no retro rewind. I feel like I saw both of these bef- well before we ever did this action film face-off. Are we in Standardsville here, my friend? I feel like I'm kind of in strange territory because although I've seen both films, I realize I never saw the opening about 15 minutes of Double Team. I stepped in. I must have been in the barracks or something, and I stepped in when he's in the bathtub training to escape the island. So I never saw the part up to that. So it's a, a tenth of a blind fire, maybe. <laughs> okay. So just a little bit of it. I got you. Yeah. I got you. No, well, it's business as usual for me. I saw these back in the day when they came out. In fact, in 97, I was working at the movie theater. So uh, I saw that one, you know, for free working at theater. And then 2001, uh, it was moonlighting at the movie theater, so I also saw that one for free. But anyways, what are we going to do with all this stuff, Jason? Oh, man. We are going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 through 10 in five categories. What are those categories, you ask? Well, I always answer, it's the story. It's the overall spectacle. It's the best action scene. It's the hero, and it's the villain, and it's not in that order. So you got to pay attention. you got to be sharp. Got that right. And then we will have the deduction round where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Thank you, Jason Albrick. Let me introduce our sniper because, I mean, we haven't had enough dang Jasons on the show. We had Jason Keen on two episodes ago, right? And now we are joined by our good friend of the network and prolific and wonderful children's author. Well, middle school age books, if I remember correctly. It is Mr. Jason R. Lady. Welcome to Action Full Face Off, Jason. Thanks. It's great to be here. Appreciate the opportunity to talk about both of these movies. Um, Kind of jumping off what you guys were talking about, if you'd seen them before doing this or not. I had not seen either one of these before. So I was pretty excited to go in and watch them. And in fact, I did over Labor Day, watch both of them. uh, Had a blast. We were talking before the show. Um, I hadn't seen a Jean-Claude Van Damme or admittedly a Steven Seagal movie in a long time. And uh, I was very excited to go back and watch uh, movies of this ilk <laughs> again. <laughs> I can just imagine you over Labor Day weekend, like your testosterone's up and you're like, ah, let's do some cocaine and fight. 
He's trying to do the splits in this kitchen. Yeah, he's doing the splits. Like, right, yeah. He, he thought it was 1992 water. Again. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I love it. Yep. I love it. As a reminder to our audience, uh, Jason Lady is our sniper, and he has just one point to give in each category. So he can sway the scoring of today's episode by a total of five points. Doesn't sound like a lot, but we've had more than one episode where the sniper has decided what the movie winner is going to be. I also have to ask Jason Lady the question that we ask all of our snipers, three favorite action films. I know this is tough. It was hard, and I'm still unsure of my list, but these are the three I'm going to talk about. As far as my three favorites, first that came to mind was Lethal Weapon 2. Um, nice. I really love Lethal Weapon 2. I have a lot of good memories of watching it with my friends in ninth grade on VHS. It has great fights, great car chases. You've got the Murtaugh and Riggs friendship at full throttle. Um, and just the chemistry between the two of them. It has some despicable bad guys that you just yeah. can't wait for yes. them to get their comeuppance. The yes. South African drug dealers. <laughs> yeah, the racist South African drug dealers. Exactly. Yep. So that's a that's a hallmark film for me as far as action films. The other and two politicians. Are- Don't forget, and politicians. They're yes. <laughs> they're ambassadors. <laughs> Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> it's just been remote. <laughs> yeah. Classic movie, in my opinion. One of my other picks is Rares of the Lost Ark. Uh, I've always loved that movie. I can watch it multiple times and never get tired of it. Harrison Ford in his prime. What can I say that hasn't been said about that movie? It's a classic. I mean, you've got giant boulders, ancient tombs filled with traps, bar brawls, street brawls, bad guys getting cut up by airplane propellers, and one of the best vehicle hijacking scenes I've ever seen. The whole chase through the desert where he jumps from the horse to the truck and everything ensues from there. That's a scene I'll go back and just watch on YouTube because it's just so well done. And all practical effects. It never gets old. And then as far as my third choice, Terminator 2. Had to pick Terminator 2. Like uh, Lethal Weapon 2, I think it's better than the predecessor. Now, part of that is because, admittedly, I was there for when it first came out. I was in ninth grade. I was the perfect age. (laughs) And uh, great memories of seeing that in the theater with my dad and two of my best friends all went together. And we had a blast. I think it holds up really well. Growing up, I loved Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. He was probably my favorite action star. I, I consider this my favorite film of his. Predator is a close second that almost made it on my list, but didn't quite get in there. But Terminator 2, you know, so good. The special effects still hold up to this day. I've rewatched it a few times in the past few years and just been like, it still looks great. One of the best movie villains in the T-1000 with his shape-shifting, played so well by Robert Patrick, so sinister, so menacing. In a way, a lot of movies do not are not able to capture that with their villain. With that movie, they did a lot with it being very subtle and using him sparingly. So a lot of things I noticed about it going back. But yeah, I was there for the T2 mania (laughs) at the time. Had the posters, you know, had the novel, the movie, you know, the comic books, everything. Uh, Loved it. So I would say those are three of my favorites. Hard to say absolute favorites, really, but three of my favorites. Those are solid choices. Approved. All approved. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. I'm glad. (laughs) Not a misstep in the bunch. <laughs> okay, now before our two films enter the Video Dome Arena, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined the Crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes, voting on show content. They get priority seating to be guests on podcasts, just like Mr. Jason, our lady here. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving so much appreciated support to the show.
And Helica Wolf. Oh. Auburn Elvis. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robison. Captain Entropy. Dave Collins, that old battle wagon. Battle wagon. Ezra Gallo. Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason Keen. Jason Lady. Meow, 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 meow. Appreciate it. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman. Jim Mill. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Kathy Bright. Matt and Lizzie Passo. Mark Ross. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. ID67. Spreadsheet. Steve Cronin. Timmy. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cock. If we miss anyone on the list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're recent edition, we will add you soon. No worries. Let us know we missed you. You can send an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. And if you're asking yourself, how do I get in on this? How do I become awesome like Jason R. Lady? Well, it's pretty simple. Go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club and be as awesome as Jason R. Lady. Well, thank you, Jared. Now let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1997, so I selected double team. What year did the randomizer select for you, Jason? I got 2001, and I put into our video dome arena, Exit Wounds. Oh, we've got a fine matchup here, folks. Now, it's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. We had to select from our assigned year. I might like his film better than mine or vice versa. I'm not really sure. We'll have to see how the scoring comes out. I know it's very close. I haven't done the math on my card, but I know they're very close on my card. But this is all about us discussing beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. This is where we talk about where we saw it. I spoiled a little bit. I saw these in the theaters. Then I saw them when I got them on DVD. But it's probably been about, gosh, 20 years since I've seen these films. So I just recently went to my Plex where I still had them, uh, you know, because I, I used to have them on DVD and I, I ported those to my Plex. So that's how I watched them for this. But man, it's nice to revisit these. Jason Albrecht, how did you watch them? Well, for my film Exit Wounds, I rented that from Apple streaming. So I watched it that way for Double Team. Not a pretty sweet deal of a JCVD triple feature DVD pack. Oh, oh, they had, I think it was called Desert Eagle, Double Impact and Maximum Risk all in one thing. So I got that and watched it old school on the DVD. It's nuts. Jason Lady, how did you watch these? I watched both of them on Amazon Prime, rented both of them on there. I think it's like a 48-hour window you have to watch them from the time you hit play. I don't do that very often. I'm kind of cheap. You know, if it's not available to stream for free, quote, for free, on like Netflix or one of those, I generally am like, I'm not going to watch it. I'll wait till it comes up. My wife had to remind me, you can rent both of these on Amazon Prime and watch them both. You really can. It's only like two bucks a piece or something. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I can do that. So, but that's how I did it. Amazon Prime. You know, as the yard sale artist, the cheapest guy on the planet, I applaud that because I do the same thing. I'm like, I refuse to pay for these. I'll search hell and high water, man. (laughs) Jason, movie to Maximum Overdrive. I found it on Internet Archive. 
someone had uploaded a digitization of the time they recorded it on VHS from Showtime. No. And that's how I watched it because I was like, it's free. <laughs> Wow. Okay, folks, now it's time for your spoiler warning. This is your opportunity to pause our show and go watch either Exit Wounds or Double Team. If you need to catch up, you don't want anything spoiled. We'll be here when you get back. Go ahead and pause now, and we'll see you at the other side of this musical break. Okay, everybody, let me jump in with some quick info on 1997's Double Team. Let him in, Bravo. He's the nation's top counter-terrorist. Gentlemen, you're good to go. But on his final mission... Negative. It's not him. He missed the target. Now, there's only one man who can put him back in the game. Oh, I bet that hurt. That hurt. I need merchandise. The best. Sorry, I'm closer tonight. You're open now. A world-class arms dealer. Did you open that? Yeah. With a flair for destruction. I don't know, man. I look at you, I see nothing but trouble. What the hell? I kind of like trouble. Their styles are different. Very different. Offense gets the glory. But defense wins the game. But against an international conspiracy. I need a partner. I'm the man, baby. They'll be at each other's side. Yes! And in each other's face. It's me. Jack's coming. Take care of business. They have no idea what they're up against. Can you fly a plane? Like a bird. Does your hair change color when you sweat? Bruce Airball. You need practice, man. I'll never miss twice, brother. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Dennis Rodman. They don't play by the rules. Sorry. Who does your hair? Siegfried or Roy? No hair jokes today, okay? Your cast and crew is as follows. It stars Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dennis Rodman, and Mickey Rourke. It's directed by Chui Hook. And your synopsis goes a little something like this. Jack is an international law enforcement tough guy, and he's hell-bent on capturing Stavros. But his mission ends up going a bit pear-shaped, and Jack is thought to be dead. In reality, he's been taken to an island think tank slash prison where many presumed dead agents now live, and they advise governments on anti-terrorism operations. Jack will have to escape the island, get some help from his offbeat arms dealer friend Yaz, and finally settle the score with Stavros. The trivia goes a little something like this, and I very intentionally made this the first trivia nugget. Mickey Rourke underwent a serious martial arts regimen to obtain the physical appearance in the film and prepare for his fight scenes with Van Damme. And I made it first because I just went right out of the gate. He looked good and his action looked good. So kudos to the work he put in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To be able to go to toe to toe with Jean-Claude Van Damme, you have to put some work in. And he really did. If you told me, you know, 96, like, oh, there's a new one and and Mickey Rourke's going to fight Van Damme. I'd be like, 
the nine and a half weeks guy is going to fight Van Dam. Like, really? That's a bit of a Mickey, Mickey Rourke was a professional boxer, though, too. So, I mean, he, yeah. He yeah, played. well, he, yeah. he definitely, as all the most of the actors we're going to talk about you know, here today, they all went through tough periods. He definitely got himself in some awesome shape for this. And I, 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 when I was watching, I was like, damn, I'm impressed. So, yeah, Mickey was definitely big on the comeback trail here. Second trivia bullet. This movie's interesting because it was much more successful internationally. The movie had a $35 million budget and it only made 18 million bucks in the U.S. So like, wah, wah, right. But it made $44 million outside the U.S. Like it was very popular. I was reading like Africa. It did really well. Some of your Asian countries, like just outside the U.S., people tend to like a lot more than it performed here. So there you have it. And finally, and this is by far my favorite of the of the trivia nuggets. All the colony scenes were shot at Jean-Claude Van Damme's actual timeshare in Spain. Like when he's doing the lifted the tub and playing in the door frame and all that. That's his actual timeshare. He was sold the property in the late 80s. And by 97, it was costing him over $1,000 a week. It took some convincing to get the script rewritten to include the new location, but everyone was happy because it meant that John Cloud Van Damme stopped pestering everyone on the set to see if they would invest in his timeshare. <laughs> and I'm like, that's hilarious. He's like, I gotta get out from this timeshare. So he finally found a way to get this dang thing paid off. Basically. Hey guys, this, this place great. <laughs> this is awesome. You can come stay here next year. This thing has been hitting him for $52,000 a year since the late eighties. And he's like, yeah, finally getting out from under this thing. Now, if only uh, we all had the ability, you know, if someone's pestering us about something, we all have that friend or that acquaintance that just won't shut up. If we had the ability to just put it in a movie, just to make yes. it be quiet. <laughs> You know, I, now that you mentioned it, wouldn't it have been great if, like, this was 97, so this didn't exist yet, but, like, Airbnb or BRBO? Because then it was just making money hand over fist because you could go stay at the, yeah, you know, the Van Damme place from Double Team. Yeah, I'd pay double for Double Team yeah. timeshare, yeah. Yeah, I'd go right. stay at the old Double yeah. Team place. I'm staying yeah. at the, look at me lifting the tub. Ooh, yeah. the tub girls. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Doing the splits yeah. in the doorway. I can totally yeah. do that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. That is it for me. And double team, what you got for us, Jason? All right. I'll give you folks the rundown on 2001's Exit Wounds. A lot of people talk about police corruption, but no one ever sees it. This was taken from the property vault just a few minutes ago. Our guys inside said it took about 50 kilos of heroin. Whew. Someone's having a big party tonight. Stolen drugs, crooked cops. Price is five million. I think that's a nice round figure. You in? Makes you think. Are all cops bad? I don't think so. Having a tough time? Look, you gotta get in and out quick. I'm an expert at this. I can do that in a blink of an eye. Well, why don't you show us? Watch. Sometimes things aren't what they seem. Yo! This is it. The cheapest car we have here is $75,000. I suggest that... I suggest you get started on the paperwork. Sometimes you have to go undercover. Used to work for Internal Affairs. But of all the people around you, how'd you know who you could trust? To bring justice to the law. They're all dirty, but I need your help to prove it. I promise that would always be my brother's keeper. 
keep my promises. Sometimes you have to walk in the darkness to bring the truth to light. Cast and crew included little Stevie Siegel, a.k.a. Steven Seagal, DMX, Michael Jai White, and Isaiah Washington. And I did not look up ahead of time how to pronounce this director's name. <laughs> so I'm going to say it was directed by Andrzej Barkowiak. Nailed it, I'm sure. Got it? All legit. Right. Totally legit. Yep. That looks like someone like was busting out the game of Scrabble and like dropped the box. <laughs> That's right. It's like, come on, there's got to be a vowel in here. Somewhere. He's just looking at all these letters. <laughs> well, the synopsis goes something like this. Old Oren Boyd is a good cop with anger issues. After a daring shootout rescue of the vice president that makes the supervisors look bad, Boyd is transferred to another precinct. When he finds out that his new assignment is rife with corrupt cops, he forms an unlikely alliance with a wealthy anti-corruption crusader, Latrell Walker, to bring justice to the streets of Detroit. My trivia nuggets go something like this. Number one. This was actually Steven Seagal's biggest box opening of his career. And I hope he enjoyed it because it was the last film to have a wide theatrical release. Seagal and White did not choreograph the fight scene in their final fight in advance. Instead, they ad-libbed it during the production, which I thought looked pretty cool. Well, And finally, the opening action scene with the shootout on the bridge was taken from the script for the proposed but never produced Lethal Weapon 5. All right, now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! It's a street fight. Okay, we are about to mix it up. Before we do that, let me remind you of Match Game. We have five categories, two films. My brother Jason has not seen my scores. I have not seen his scores. We could match up to 10 possible times. And I think as of last episode, didn't we actually match 10 times last episode? Or was I think that two so. episodes? I think hey. we, yeah, I think it Recent. was last Yeah. So anyway, place your bets. How many times out of 10 are my brother Jason and I going to match scores? Speaking of scores, let's get your barometer set. Five is average. Five is middle of the road. Five means it's okay. It's decent. Does its job well. You'd see it in a made-for-TV movie that you kind of like. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's good quality stuff. Four, three, two, one. Things to work on. All right. Everything's set. Round one is the story. Put the knife away and shut your mouth. How engaging is your story? How original is your story? We will start. Jason, our lady, 1997, double team. What are your thoughts on the story of double team? Sure. There's an interesting idea at the center of this movie, which is the colony, the island where secret agents who are thought to be dead are sent to be this analytical think tank thing. They can't escape. They're dead to the outside world. No one knows that they're there. Um, They do a good job setting the colony up as a place you can't escape from and you're just stuck there. And they do the, the biometric readings to make sure you're in your room and all that stuff. The problem is that's kind of a small part of the movie, I feel. And I read that actually um, it is imported from like another script, like an older script. So that kind of explains it. They kind of said, oh, that's a nifty idea. And they kind of stuck it in this kind of Dennis Rodman, 
uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, movie that had a lot of kind of goofiness and stuff swirling around it. But I was like, there's a good core nugget there. So really, I think the main plot of the movie is Jack Quinn, Van Damme's character, trying to rescue his wife from Mickey Rourke's character. I feel like there could be an opportunity to make another film with the colony idea, but just focus on the colony and its inhabitants and the intrigue between all of them and stuff like that. So the movie is original in some ways, but I think it could have been a little better. I think that's perfectly said, because when I was rewatching, like I said, I hadn't seen it in 20 years. When we got to that colony part, I was like, this is really making the movie for me. I mean, the other stuff's fun, but you see it in every Van Damme movie. This is kind of unique. I absolutely agree. Jason Albrecht. Let's just say three for three on our love for the colony concept. I thought that that was the most interesting part of the movie. The rest of it was, like you said, Jared, you could kind of cut and paste from many other Van Damme movies. Van Damme rescuing his wife slash girlfriend. And that's pretty cut and dry. But I did like that colony element and the thought of having a bunch of off the grid, if you would, international spies working on international problems from an undisclosed neutral third location. I thought that part was really cool. Almost against against their will, which adds a whole other level yes. of it, you know? It's yeah. interesting. It's fascinating. They're stuck there. They can't leave, you know, which is really right. interesting. Yeah. And I mean, it, it gave the the relationship that Jean-Claude Van Damme had with his wife a little more gravitas. And it kind of provided some fuel for his motivation to escape the unescapable island, which yeah. I thought was pretty cool. It, it gave that island gave it that dash of Mission Impossible. Yeah, that escape that he does uh, to get out of there. You could see that being in a Mission Impossible movie. And it was a lot of uh, we'll talk more about this when we talk about, you know, the hero. But um, a lot of just like tricks and like outthinking the system and just daredevil stunts that he has to do to be able to get out of there was really cool. So again, yeah, that whole thing could have just been the whole movie and I think it would have been fine. Yeah. As you mentioned, I, I saw that in my research as well. Like it was intended to be a movie of its own called the colony called yeah. the colony. Yes. The colony. Yeah. <laughs> and if they decide to release that now and say, Hey, Jean-Claude Van Damme stars in the colony. And yes, this is an expansion of what we did in double team. I'd be like, here's my money. Yeah. I will watch that. I'm there. I'm there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's shift gears. Let's go to 2001 Exit Wounds. Uh, a little more of a grounded and gritty story. Jason Lady, thoughts? I thought the story was pretty good. Um, there were some twists and turns I didn't see coming. Really, the big one I didn't see coming was DMX and Anthony Anderson actually being good guys and actually trying to take down the corrupt cops. You know, I kind of took them at face value for being, you know, just criminals up to some kind of scheme. Really, actually, genuinely surprised by that. Um, and the whole twist where DMX's character is actually an anti-corruption uh, crusader, basically. And he had been working for a while and putting on this persona and this act of being like a drug kingpin. I thought that was really well done. That was interesting. It, it at least surprised me. I grew to like both of them as the movie went on. At first, I was like, oh, they're bad guys and you're not supposed to like them and they're doing things you don't care for. And I was like, oh, these two are actually pretty cool. I do like them. I think where the movie fell down was the twist of the which cops were corrupt and which ones weren't, because it's supposed to be this big aha gasp moment when Bruce McGill's character, who's Van Damme's old boss, and Michael Jai White's character are revealed to be, oh, they're corrupt. Oh, my gosh. And it's like, those guys have barely been in the movie for five minutes. This is supposed to be like meaningful. It's supposed to be impactful. 
I didn't really think that it was, unfortunately. So it would have carried more weight if those guys had been in the movie more. They'd gained the trust of Steven Seagal's character. Maybe they had shown more of them mentoring him and working with him and stuff like that. And he's like bonding with them. Then he would have had that sense of betrayal and all that. Like, oh, no. But uh, as it was, a, a terrible waste of two good actors, too. I, I really like Bruce McGill as a character actor and Michael Jai White. I'll talk more about it later. But I think he's a great action star. And uh, they could have just done so much more with both of them, I feel. Man, I'll tell you what. And I know I got to let Jason talk, but because it's a well-documented fact that I'm a Michael Jai White fanboy, documented that I want to hug him, just embrace him. When he was revealed as the villain, I was like, why are you doing this to me? I, I like you so much. I know. I don't like this. It was painful. <laughs> uh, get myself cleaned up. Uh, Weasel Skull, what do you think? Excellent. Yeah, this one was definitely the grittier of our two films. Seagal, he's obviously kind of back for his last hurrah, and he does a pretty good job. I think, and we'll talk a little bit about it more in Spectacle, I think that they kind of made some missteps with some of the action scenes and choreography. But as far as the story part of it goes, I think he did a really good job of being a almost burned out cop that, you know, still at his core is trying to uphold the law. And he's obviously burned a lot of bridges with the brass. He's kind of on his last legs. I like the relationship with his new boss former internal affairs, and she kind of knows she's sniffing around herself. I like that relationship, even though that kind of ended abruptly. But all in all, I thought it was a pretty good story. And you talked about DMX and, and his part in the story. Really well done, really well crafted. So I think this was well above average. Yeah, more more layered than you would expect from a mm-hmm. movie called Exit Wound starring Steven Seagal Steven and Seagal. DMX. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be like, OK, you know, I'm going to get that what you normally get. But it had more layers. And and I think it had to do with um, a lot of good characters. Like you mentioned, kind of every character has its own beat. I should have mentioned Isaiah Washington, too. I mean, yep. he yeah, was, he's good, too. He was really good, too, is kind of the. The younger cop that's still kind of idealistic. So it was nice having that balance between kind of the almost burned out Steven Seagal <laughs> and and the the young upcoming cop and Isaiah Washington teaming up together was pretty cool. I like that Isaiah Washington's character wasn't a wide eyed, naive rookie, though, like no. he was pretty street smart and knew what he was doing. He was capable. A lesser movie would have taken that character and made him just really goofy. And they didn't do that with him. You could buy that, yeah, he could actually partner uh, with Steven Seagal's character. I totally expected him to get killed, actually. The minute that I did too. Wife and a baby. Show him with the yeah. baby. He's done. Yeah. Baby. He's done. Yeah. <laughs> he's done. <laughs> Sorry, dude. You're out. Yeah. There's a couple of times where I was like, oh, he's going to die here. Oh, no, he didn't. I was pleasantly oh, surprised. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I had this running theory since they didn't remember watching. I was like, I, I wonder if he's going to end up being a corrupt, but. Steve Seagal got to him, so he turns the corner. But nope, he's straight up good dude. <laughs> he was a corrupt buster buster. That's right. <laughs> Anyways, nothing left to do but score these. Let's go back to 1997 on a scale of 1 to 10. Double team. Jason, what do you think? As much as I like the concept of the colony, the rest of it was cookie cutter. I gave it a 6. I understand. I really like the concept of the colony. So it got all the way to a seven for me. 
I considered upping it after the discussion, but I can't do it. I can't I, do it. I, I can't take the colony it. out, and to me, it's a five or a six. Mm-hmm. But with the colony, I was I was good at a seven. But I understand. I understand. Let's switch gears to exit wounds again. Maybe a little bit surprisingly better story than you might expect from a DMX Steven Seagal vehicle. What you give it, Jason? I'm going to shock myself for saying this, but I'm giving this an eight. I thought it was a pretty doggone good story. <laughs> Almost a pun. Shock yourself if you know the movie well. It's guys proving their toughness by shocking each other with it. Doesn't matter how strong you. You know what? Never mind. Um, <laughs> you're uh, at an eight. That's impressive. That's impressive. I also gave this one uh, a seven. But man, I I'm not hating on your eight. Like I said, the more I think about. It, the more layered this was than it had any right to be. So, yeah, no beefs there. So we got some close scores here. we got to go to Jason Lady. Jason Lady has the one point to give, the one sniper bullet. Who are you in favor of for better story? Well, like both of you, not to sound like a broken record, I thought that the idea for the colony was a great nugget of a story concept that could have made a better movie if that had been taken and extrapolated upon and just made a movie called The Colony and focused on that. Um, But as it was, you have a nugget of something really intriguing wrapped up in just a lot of goofy stuff, (laughs) in my opinion, and or a lot of just really standard stuff, uh, standard Jean-Claude Van Damme movie stuff. So I got to give it to Exit Wounds because, like I said earlier, it genuinely surprised me. Um, I think it was a great cast, a lot of cool uh, actors, good character actors popping up here and there, like Bill Duke. Uh, where I was like, oh, yeah, I know him. Yeah, yes, a lot yes. of those kind of rec- recognition kind of factor. Yeah, there were just layers and surprises and uh, those kinds of things. And like you said, uh, it had more going for it than I expected going in. I expected a really bad, dumb action movie. And I was like, oh, it's got actually a little more going for it than I would have expected. I was pleasantly surprised by that. Well said, sir. Well said. The one factor we didn't talk about that I do want to mention that once they got away from the calling and double team, I did like the fact that they send someone from the colony to go handle the business. I like so that too. It's like a shark in the water. You never know what that guy who's following him around was named Goldsmith. I think uh, Goldsmith. Yep, Alex yeah. Goldsmith. Yeah. You're like, what is he gonna do? Is he a good dude? Is he a bad dude? Like, it's that shark in the water that's always there, and I did appreciate that. It did keep you guessing. I mean, yeah. If it's me though, if my watch goes off, I'm. I mean, man, the dude just like jumped from a cliff, swam underwater for like five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Held on to a plane at like 30,000 feet, climbed aboard, kicked the S out of four guys yeah. that were in there, threw them all off the plane, hijacked the plane, and got away. And I'm basically Belloc from Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm like... I'm sorry, my, my battery must have died or something. I didn't get the message. I'm sorry. Oh, he just he just wanted that off the island vacation. He wanted to get off the island for a while. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll track him down. I got, I got this. Don't boss. worry about it. I didn't understand that, and maybe we could talk about it later and more in depth. But like, I didn't get how he was allowed to leave the island. No one's supposed to be able to leave, and yet he goes. And like, what would keep him from you know not just you know leaving for good and be like, I'm not coming back. Bye. I'm still <laughs> looking for him. I haven't found him yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Always got a house and, uh, you know. Yeah. He's like lately on, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Been looking for Blofeld for like seven years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, still found him. He's out there somewhere. Yeah. I didn't get that. I'm like, why is he allowed to leave? And how do they know he's going to come back? 
Uh, well, I'm sure we can answer more of these things in future rounds. And that is the end of round one. Don't force me to fight because you won't like my way of fighting. Well, I better pick it up for round two. And we're going to talk about the hero. And man, we've got some good heroes, some icons from the 80s and 90s. On the one hand, we got JCVD, Jean-Claude Van Damme, the muscles from Brussels. On the other hand, we got little Stevie Siegel, now known as Steven Seagal after he went through all his martial arts training and all that. Let's just talk about it. Jason Lady, let's open it up with Double Team. And you got Dennis Rodman and you got Jean-Claude Van Damme. What do you think? Yeah, um, for the hero of that movie, I did focus on Jean-Claude Van Damme, Jack Quinn, uh, his character. Um, For the most part, kind of the standard, you know, Van Damme character. He's very stoic. He's very determined. He does a good job, the character and the actor, selling that determination and that desperation to, like, get out of there and go rescue his wife. I was actually kind of feeling it like, oh, yeah, you know, he's really worried. He did a nice job there. You have a great getting back in shape workout montage, you know, where he's walking with the crutch and then he kind of gets off the crutch and he's doing the splits in the bedroom door and he's lifting the bathtub filled with water to get strong again, even though he's already insanely cut, you know, but apparently he had to get that one millimeter (laughs) back. (laughs) And of course, he's good at the action side of things. There's a scene at the beginning where he has two motorcycles pursuing him. He gets both of them set on fire. He's driving an armored car at this time. He jumps it through a train and he avoids getting eaten by a tiger. So all great hero stuff that he does in this movie. He's also shown to be very smart. The trickery he does to fool the colony's biometric system and escape was actually really cool. There's a lot of what is he doing? And like, oh, that's really smart that he just did. There's the whole thing at the beginning where he blows that entire mission, gets that entire Delta Force team killed, though. They didn't really sell them as being like a particularly competent Delta Force team, though. I thought they kind of got killed easily. But and he gets himself knocked out and wounded. So he's cool and he's heroic. But there's also that piece where it's like, "Eh, you really screwed up something big there, dude. So those are my thoughts on him as a hero. All right, Jared, anything to add? Very little. More of an underscore. I agree with everything he said. I mean, this is JCVD doing JCVD things. Again, I kind of surprised myself because I definitely consider this a past his prime jcvd movie and so i kind of wrote it off and then i was watching and again i stayed engaged and i thought he's, he's doing really well here you know and i think he really does do a little bit of a i don't know if it's a step up or maybe it's just a different flavor that i like whenever he gets with one of these sort of hong kong guys like hard target and this and that movie knockoff is better than I remembered because it, it gives this new injection to him. It puts him in a out of the typical American, you know, almost from, you know, he came from Canon films, sort of that American Canon films mold into a whole other mold of Asian cinema. I think he fits there nicely. He's doing very, you know, stereotypical Van Damme things, but I, just in a dash of different flavor. And I liked it. Agreed. Agreed. Now just throwing some props for Dennis Rodman. I mean, his acting ability was, but he had a lot of charm and a lot of charisma. And sometimes I was just like, how are they going to have some way for him to get involved in the action? And sometimes it's just Van Damme like, come on, buddy, you're parachuting out of this thing with me. (laughs) They're dragging him along the whole whole way. But it was kind of funny. 
And when he does get a fight scene, it's a lot of him picking guys up and just like throwing them into the wall, you know, which I'm like, it's probably how he fights in real life when you think about it. That's how I would fight in real life (laughs) that height. And I thought it looked pretty cool. Like when he picked that dude up and he like throws him into the window, that moving bus coming by. All I'm saying is if they came out with double team two, or I might call it triple team, and Dennis and Van Dam came back now at their ages now to do it, I would watch it. I would, oh, I would too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I think we all like Jean-Claude Van Damme and crew from Double Team. What did we think about Exit Wounds and Steven Seagal? Go ahead, Jason, take it away. Sure. So Oren Boyd, Steven Seagal's character, he is kind of the standard Steven Seagal character that he always plays. Smooth, tougher than everybody else around him, more competent than everybody else around him. No one else can solve what's going on. Only he can. He notices things no one else does, and he plays by his own rules. Pretty much every other police officer is useless. Only he can do what must be done. Um, like we said earlier, I like his friendship with Isaiah Washington's character, his partner. I thought that was well done. I like that it wasn't just the typical grizzled veteran with a clueless rookie. Like They actually made both of them competent, both of them not necessarily equals in terms of experience, but you know he wasn't so far below Steven Seagal's character. Uh, he actually could keep up with him. And uh, there was a mutual respect between them, which I really liked. So those are my thoughts on Seagal's character. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think this was a good role for him. Like I said, this is kind of his last big worldwide release movie that he does in his career. And, and it was a good role for him to go out on, I think. But let's turn it over to Jared, see what he has to add. Again, uh, Jason Lady does his research and comes prepared. He's, I have to agree with him. You know, Seagal's bit has always been low key, which, by the way, we may talk about in the deduction round. <clears throat> it's one of those movies where you have to turn it way, way up when he's talking and turn it way, way down when the action starts again. And I hate that. So oh, he's that getting is, that old man deduction. My hearing up. Speak up. A lot, right. yeah. a lot of muttering. Yeah. A lot of muttering. So he's, he's, uh, it's funny to say this because, you know, a lot of people have strong opinions of Seagal. So this may not apply now, but in 2001, I think this really applies. I think he was aging gracefully. He was letting other characters, you know, very that Tom Cruise Mission Impossible thing where he's surrounding himself and letting other characters elevate him. I felt like Steven Seagal was doing that. I felt like this. Maybe one of the movies where he had less of an ego in it. There's a lot of other characters that elevate and move this story. And it doesn't feel like he was being greedy with it and trying to say, I'm Steven Seagal. I think he kind of realized that they turn a corner. The martial arts genre, especially in the late 90s and the early 2000s, really began to merge with hip hop culture more than ever. And I think the influences of hip hop groups like Wu-Tang Clan had a lot to do with that. That sort of hip hop and martial arts culture did a lot of merging. I remember when the Black Mask uh, with uh, Jet Lee came out, and it's great. And when it came out in America, it was all redone with a hip-hop soundtrack. and all. They're merging. And I think he realized that, and I think that uh, he took advantage of that in a good way and made a really good product. And I think he was, uh, he was <laughs> I was going to say he was a really good hero, but he's just a very Steven Seagal. It wasn't anything big or, or bold or breakout for him, but just a, a guy who's getting a little older and knowing how to use that to his advantage. He's in this movie, he's the older cop. He's the wiser cop. He's the experienced cop. And I like that part of him. I like him uh, an ego-free. Still, well, I wasn't there on the set, but like that's the way it felt. 
So eh, that's my thoughts. The one kind of criticism, and we'll get into this a little later, a little more in depth, is I liked that for the most part, they were using old school Steven Seagal. And I think there was an opportunity here to let Isaiah Washington or some other younger person do the really cool. There were a couple places in there where they were trying to do the really cool Asian martial arts kind of crazy spin kicks that they tried to have it appear as though Steven Seagal did it. And it's just like, that ain't Steven Seagal. And they would just inject that at some weird, random points. It didn't feel real. It felt forced. And I thought, man, if they wanted to do that, they should have done kind of like Rush Hour, you know, where you have somebody in there that, that can actually do that stuff. And then you have the buddy that has his own fighting style. So I don't know. That was my one little criticism. But I agree. Those those were very weird moments that take you out of the movie when they forced that. Yeah. That more Asian flavor. Like some wire work happening. Yeah, the wire work stuff. And <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, let, let him do what he's always done. You know, that yeah. fast contact, breaking joints, using leverage. Mm-hmm. And he was doing that well in the movie. He was doing Steven Seagal well. I mean, he had gotten himself into shape. Yeah. Well, I've rambled on. I won't beat the dead horse anymore. Let's just roll it up and score them. All right, Jared. What did you give Van Damme slash Rodman in double team? I put them at a solid seven. I enjoyed them both. They they make a unique pair. Most of my seven is for Van Damme because, you know, he's the focus of the film. But I do feel like in a in a weird way that shouldn't work, Rodman elevates it a little bit just because he brings a little uh, flavor, you know, to it that's different. So. Yeah, I could definitely see, you know, a standard cookie cutter Van Damme stuff, especially movies that he does after this, where, you know, he's clearly just trying to make money and make his pay his bills. And I don't begrudge him for that. You know, that's probably Van Damme at a six or so. But this does a cut above government seven. Yeah, I felt the same way. I think that Van Damme, like you said, this is a little later in his career, but he's still carrying himself pretty well. I mean, I thought I mean, he's still in great shape. He's still nailing those action scenes and I thought the thing that was really kind of charming about the Rodman character, he's basically Q. He's he's like the gadgets guy. He's he's the smart guy. And I thought that was a really clever way of kind of going against maybe what could have been a stereotype and shaking things up a bit. So anyway, that's a long-winded way of me saying match game seven as well. That's what I gave him. What about uh, Steven Seagal and Exxon Wounds, Jared? What did you give Steven Seagal? I gave Steven Stagall and Exit Wounds a seven. I feel like he might have could have got an eight if it wasn't for the forced, I'll use the word ridiculous, uh, out of character for Steven Stagall and martial arts things. It clearly didn't really work. Uh, I liked him better grounded. Like if they kept him, I, th- I just thought of the best way to put this. If they kept him the same character with the same move set and strengths that they had at the beginning on that bridge, as I was like, this is way better than I remember. Yes. I think he would have maybe elevated to an eight, but still, this is surprisingly good late in his career. Seagal, so much like Van Damme, I'm going to give him a seven. Match game number two. I gave him a seven as well. I thought both these instances, you had iconic 80s and 90s action stars. And in the last little bit in their twilight here, but they both give very solid performances. All right. We got it knotted up. Jason Lady. 
Somebody's got to take the lead here. Who's it going to be? Well, I think I have to give it to Steven Seagal. And that pains me because I was much more a Van Damme fan back in the day. Watched all those movies on VHS, like I said earlier, and loved them. And wasn't so much into Seagal back in the day. But I do have to give it to him. And I think because he does lean into where he is in that stage of life, he's playing a grizzled veteran. He's not trying to pretend to be a young guy. Right. Um, he's really leaning into it and making it part of his character and letting a bunch of other strong personalities kind of be around him and carry the movie as a group, not just him alone doing everything himself, which might have looked ridiculous. So I got to give it to him, I think. All right. There it is. Steven Seagal inches ahead a little bit. And that wraps up round two, the hero round. Time to pass it back to Jared. Let's get into round three. What do we do? We die. Round three is the villain. How menacing is your villain? How entertaining is your villain? How memorable? That's usually the biggest key right there. Do you have a memorable villain? We will start in 97 with double team. This time we will let my brother kick it off. Jason Albrick, your thoughts on our boy Mickey Rourke in double team. Mickey Rourke, man. His acting was top notch. It was really, really good. He obviously came to this role prepared. When we saw him shirtless in that final act, I was like, what? What kind of roids are you on? Man? <laughs> this guy, man, standing next to very in shape Van Damme. Mm-hmm. Looking just as in shape. I was impressed. Well, it was funny because it kind of like when it shows it from like that panned out overview, like bird's eye view. So you can see the arena is in the Coliseum and he's standing down there. And I was like, oh, no, Mickey Burke has his shirt off. Yeah, this could be a mistake. <laughs> this might be bad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but then they panned in and I was like, I my apologies, Mick. <laughs> Looking good. <laughs> Looking dang good, yes. Uh -huh. And his acting was really good. I think the only missed opportunity, I would say, and this is no slight on Mickey Rourke at all. I think this is more the script and maybe the direction, is that there were some really tender elements that they laid out at the beginning of the movie with his child. I wanted to see that built upon a little bit more. It just kind of became a, well, you killed my child at the beginning, so now I'm going to kill your child and your wife at the end, which is, uh, okay, that's fine. That's a villainous motivation. But I had questions like, what was the relationship with the mother of his child? He was an entirely different person when he was there with his kid. And I wanted to know a little bit more about that backstory. What turned him when, you know, when they're at the colony? The other spies are talking about him with some reverence, like he used to be one of us. And I wanted to know more about this character, and I just didn't get it. Very well said. That's pretty much exactly what I would have said. But let's find out what Jason Lady would have said. So I really liked him as the villain. Uh, just to you know, add on to what you said, you've very well said. You said a lot of my thoughts on Mickey Rourke as the villain. Uh, he plays unhinged and demented very well. And you're right. There is an element there of depth and tenderness there. And he's really, he's not a bad guy just for the sake of just being evil. You know, he is out for revenge and you kind of understand his point of view uh, to some extent. He has a great line. And that's when the tiger makes its entrance into the Coliseum at the end. Men are strong, but the tiger is stronger. I just cracked up <laughs> when he said that. 
But I love it because he was just over the top, just like nuts and out for revenge. And, you know, he was very intimidating, like I said. And he had a great death scene. Dying by stepping off a landmine just as a tiger jumps at you to kill you is a great way to go out. We should all do yeah. so well in our lives. Yes. But like you, um, what I noticed with him was strong at the beginning, strong at the end, really drops out of the movie in the middle. And I think that was a wasted opportunity where we could have built more and shown more depth uh, with the character. So that's what I think about the villain. agree wholeheartedly with the both of you. I don't even have anything to add. I think we all mentioned that uh, he looked good, right? That was very clear. But again, I want to give him props for just the training. Like, you know how sometimes you watch a, a movie with a guy like Van Damme and they pair him up with some decent actor for a villain, but he's not a martial artist. You can tell. You can tell. Couldn't tell here. He was moving at the same speed. Or else uh, maybe they were using clever camera trickery, but it really seemed like he was keeping up with the martial arts, which impressed the heck out of me. Let's shift gears. 2001, Exit Wounds. I got a few villains to choose from here. What you thinking, Jason? Albrick. So, Michael Jai White. I don't like him being a bad guy. (laughs) I don't like him being the bad guy, but boy, he was a good bad guy. And I'll tell you what made it really interesting and I know, and I agree with Jason Lady. It's kind of like the big reveal at the end was, eh, maybe not such a big reveal. But the concept of having basically Steven Seagal swimming in this pool, and there's some sharks in this pool, but he doesn't know which cops are sharks and which cops are on his side. And they do a fairly decent job of trying to suggest that Michael Jai White's character might be a good guy throughout the whole thing. And, uh, you know, when it turns out at the end, and it's kind of like, y- you know, it's not going to be because who's Steve Seagal going to fight then? Like, you know, the big cops are pretty much, you know, already, uh, well, he gets killed at the end too, but it- it's got to be Michael Jai White <laughs> versus Steven Seagal at the end. You know, it's got to be. So there's not maybe not much of a surprise there, but Michael Jai White plays the character well. You know, you don't really know until the big reveal at the end. You, oh, you got to love the James Bond reference in the big reveal. That was great. He spins around oh, and he's like, I yeah. always want to do that. Wish I had a cat. Wish I had a cat. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. And then let's just talk about the physicality. We, you know, we recently did Blood and Bone film with Michael Jai White. And this guy is just, it's still incredible to me how a man that big can move that fast and be that flexible did you see him do that flying splits up over the like he didn't fly splits up over steven seagal's head that's just crazy uh so yeah the physicality of it like you you know when we were kind of kind of criticizing steven seagal like them trying to portray it like he's a little more capable than he is they should have done some more with michael jawa because that guy is really capable of doing some amazing martial arts uh, action scenes. And I want to give him a big hug too. So he'll get a good score for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To me, the biggest difference, and I know I got to go to Jason lady, but it's on my mind right now. Biggest difference. I just gave a lot of kudos to Mickey Rourke for being able to keep up with Van Damme. Right. The challenge here is Michael J. White, especially at this point in his career is you know, I don't speak out of turn, but I, I feel like he's a much faster, stronger martial artist than Seagal is at this point. So you have to dial him down, you know, and that's the only part that makes me sad. But let's let Jason Lady weigh in. 
Yeah, I don't have too much to add. You're echoing everything that I thought about him. And I said a lot of my thoughts um, earlier. I would have liked him to have been, you know, severely outclassing Seagal at the end there, just being the crap out of him. Seagal wins by just the skin of his teeth, you know. Some sort of like veteran experience. Yeah. Pulls out a trick or something this guy wouldn't know and just takes him down in one, you know, one fell swoop. But yeah, I it's it's just not enough of Michael Jai White. Like after the movie was over, I'm like, wait, that was it? Like that was all they had of him? Really? I'm like, he's just underutilized. Uh, I mean, there's not too much I can add to what you already said. He's got tons of charisma. He can play good or evil. He's got the physicality for it. I would like for him to have been a confidant, uh, a mentor, a supervisor, something, or even the partner of Seagal's character. Because that reveal and that heel turn that he does uh, would have been so much more meaningful. And then at the end, it would have been a bit more of a cathartic grudge match these two are having. Now, all that said, I really like the sword fight, really fabric cutter fight. Like when the two of them rip those things off the side of the table and just start sword fighting each other, I was just like, yeah, I was there for that. (laughs) I was there for it. (laughs) I feel like I got my money's worth with just that fight alone. (laughs) Excellent. All right, let's score these guys. Let's go back to 1997. Weasel Skull. Mickey Rourke, one to ten. I'm giving him a seven. He was a strong character. He could have gone further for me if they'd fleshed him out a little bit more. Match game. Makes me wonder, like, maybe what his availability was. Maybe he only had a certain amount of time to shoot scenes. I don't know. Could have definitely used one or two inserts, like you said, when he was on the island to see how he's dealing with the loss of his child, his wife. Could have gone a long way. All right, let's go to 2001. Exit Wounds. Michael Jai White. The really tall, big, strong guy, the Weasley cop that we all hated from the beginning. They're all mixed up into the score. What do you got? Weasley's going. I don't care about any of them. Michael Jai White gets an eight because he's Michael Jai White in the story. Rest my case. <laughs> all right. I, I gave him a seven. I wish, like we all talked about, I wish there was more of him. He could easily got an eight, a nine. I do too, but it's Michael Jai White, so he gets an eight. Rest my I case. I can't believe you just out Michael Jai White fanboyed me. That's hurts deep, deep inside, but I have to go with what I wrote down. You know, can't cheat the people on who are betting on match game. Vegas odds are on how much we're going to match game right now. I can't cheat those folks. All right. Jason, our lady is your fandom of Michael Jai White going to win the day or are you going to tip the cap to Mickey Rourke and his amazing physique? I'm going to tip it to Mickey Rourke because I think a decade from now, which one am I going to remember? I'm going to remember the madman with the pet tiger chasing Jean-Claude Van Damme around with no shirt on. Like, I'm going to remember that, I think, more so than Michael Jai White. No offense to to his performance at all. But, uh, yeah, it just wasn't enough of him, like I already said. So Mickey Rourke, uh, again, his character could have been fleshed out more, but he was just this over-the-top madman at the end of that movie. And I really appreciate that (laughs) in a villain. That is fun. That is fun. All right. That is the end of round three. Nobody's bitch. Well, we're going to take it into round four, and round four is the spectacle. And when we talk spectacle, we're talking about fight choreography. We're talking about the effects. We're talking about stunts. We're talking about those things like the soundtrack, the score, the cinematography, all that good stuff. Everything that makes a great movie great. Let's uh, switch it up here and let's pass it over to Jared to talk about the spectacle for Double Team. All right. Uh, this is a Choi Hook. Still pronouncing that right, I hope. Film and, you know, spectacle is what he does. You know, that's uh, what a lot of these, you know, John Woo's and those kind of guys do. They do spectacle films. 
they make spectacle out of things that have no business being spectacle. You know, it's like a guy putting on a jacket. It's all like, you know, and all this. Yeah, it's all tight by tie, you know, all that stuff. And it shows here. It's not super extreme here. I mean, I think he is a little dialed back into an American release, even though, as we learned, it did much better outside of the U.S. But it still has that every scene has good lighting. Um, every camera movement is energetic. These are the Hong Kong film directors where we mention their names a lot, but we don't often, although I think we have on this podcast, talk about the crew and the cameramen and women back there that are literally sprinting with cameras and jumping through things to get shots. And like it shows spectacle to me oftentimes is all about how engaging it is. Am I going to pick up my phone and check my ex Twitter or whatnot? No, I watched it front to back. I usually have a big ear for the music. I don't remember a ton of it from this. I, I, I remember it being quite serviceable. Nothing really left out as super memorable to me, unless I'm forgetting something. Well, I guess if I'm forgetting something, then it's not memorable. Anyways, very engaging just with camera work, lighting, the stunts. I mean, th- these guys are all in on the stunts, right? So super engaging film. Yeah, I think if I had to sum it up in one word, I'd say energy. And you nailed it. It's well, energy yeah. from the top yep. down. Yep. From the folks on the camera to the folks behind the camera. But at any rate, I don't want to steal Jason Lady's thunder. So let's hear what he has to say. Sure. Uh, I thought overall the spectacle was good. Uh, a lot of crazy visuals in that movie. The fight in the Coliseum. Um, I was impressed with all the shots of the tiger. Like there's a couple where I'm like, it really seems like that actor is right there with that tiger. And they did some camera trickery too to make that work, to make that believable. I thought some of the action scenes got a little repetitive. There was lots of broken glass. This fight choreographer loved themselves some broken glass and also loved themselves people getting thrown through double doors. There's lots of sets of double doors throughout the movie and lots of guys just getting thrown through them, which looks really cool. But after about the 17th time, I'm kind of like, can you show me something else, you know? But, uh, you know, for 1997, some of the stuff looked really good. Like I said, with the tiger and also Van Damme hanging off the back of the airplane, some of it looked a little dodgy, but I was like, you know, considering when it was made, you know, not bad. One thing I will say about the sound, there was something up with Dennis Rodman's dialogue. And I don't know if it's just the uh, version of it that I that I watched, but it seemed like a lot of his dialogue was pasted in in post-production. It didn't seem like a quite match with his mouth or like his, he's not looking at the camera and you hear like him talking, but it seemed like something that was just completely disassociated from that area that they're in. Like it was uh, just like put in, you know? Uh, and almost seemed like they had to re-record all his dialogue later and kind of plug it all in. And that kind of took me out of the movie a little bit. I was like, oh, there's some craftsmanship there that is a little lacking. But overall, you know, I I thought the movie looked pretty good, despite those things. Yeah, you bring up a good point. I think with a lot of new actors, especially, I think a lot of them get redubbed and done in ADR more so than the experienced guys. And I, yeah, now that you mentioned it, I kind of, I guess, gave that a pass because I expected it. But you with the fresh eyes, that's a good catch. Well, there was a scene in there, too, when Dennis Rodman and Jean-Claude Van Damme first meet. He's in Dennis Rodman's weapons lab there at the club. And Dennis Rodman is shooting an automatic weapon. And they never show him holding the weapon or firing the weapon. They zoom in close up. And then you hear, like, the machine gun sound. And it's just his face close up, which led me to wonder, did they film that separately he wasn't there available for that particular scene so 
I'm wondering if there were some scheduling conflicts with with Rodman's character throughout the film. I don't know. I'm speculating a bit, but there it is. All right, let's move. He had a a piece of dialogue from him where his mouth doesn't move. He's facing the (laughs) camera just like that, but you hear his voice say something. I was just like, whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's something a little sketchy. Well, let's move it over to Exit Wounds and see what we thought about the spectacle there. Jared, take it away. Uh, As I mentioned earlier in the show, a little grittier, a little more down to earth. It definitely had its silly moments, but a little more urban alleyways, darker a little bit, still keeps up a very good pace, has a, you know, absolute banging soundtrack. It absolutely reminds you of how good hip hop music was in 2001. And uh, I was there for it. There was a lot of jams in there. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, you got DMX in your movie, right? You know, it's going to have a hip hop soundtrack. And it was good. And I think another thing I noticed is it, while it was clearly urban and DMX and hip hop soundtrack, they didn't use it for everything. There was other soundtrack moments too, which I thought was good. But again, I, that led to a problem for me, which I mentioned earlier, which is, is the soundtrack was really banging and, and jamming. And then you see Steven Seagal, you know, you talk like this and you, you know, yeah, just this is how Steven Seagal talks. So I'm half, I constantly have to turn it up when he's talking. And as soon as the soundtrack comes in, it's, it's just thumping and bumping on my system. And I got to like, okay, turn that back down and the explosions and all that. So it loses a little bit with me in the audio balance. I think it just could have uh, been balanced better. And I mean, for those of you out there who are like home theater people, I'm not even kidding. I went into all my settings as the movie's going on and I was pushing down bass and, and bringing up center and all the settings in my audio stuff just to maximize so I wouldn't have to do that. And I still had to do that. So the audio balance was a problem. But other than that, soundtrack was banging. The urban feel of it. Oh, they were in uh, Detroit, even though I clearly saw Horton's Donuts in the background at one point. Now, they yeah, may they're, have that. they're in Calgary. Okay. Because I was like, I was like, do they have it? Because that's close to Canada. Is there a Horton's there? But I was like, I feel like they filmed this in Canada. That jumped out at me, too. Like, you I noticed that. Which is fairly close to Canada as well. And I don't think we have a Tim Horton's here. <laughs> okay. I was like, I saw a Tim Horton's and I, I was like, they're in Canada, aren't they? But anyways, although pacing wise and stories, we talked about how layered it is. That part makes it very engaging. So I have my bugaboos, but we'll still come out decent, I think. All right. Bugaboos, but still going to come out decent. Jason Lady, what do you have to add? I don't have a whole lot to add to that. I thought it was uh, well shot um, in the fights and the chases. I never lost track of who was who. And I can't say the same for the other movie. There were some points in the other movie where I was like, I don't know what's going on here and who's shooting who here. Even though it was a little dark and washed out, I think that fit with the overall atmosphere. You couldn't lose track of who was who and who was fighting who. I really appreciated that. It did well what they were going for, which was a gritty crime drama, you know, kind of uh, atmosphere. All right. Well, that just leaves the scores. Jared, what are you going to give the score for Spectacle for Double Team? I'm going to give it an eight. And I think that is just kind of my love for this kind of goofy, over-the-top, Asian-influenced Van Damme cinema. That's a very tight Venn diagram I just drew there. But there's actually two movies that I can think of that fall into that. But again, just really well-paced. Love the colony thing to kind of break up the monotony of... Well, it's not exactly monotony because it's all bonkers, but you get my point. I'm giving it an eight. I liked it quite a bit. I didn't go quite as high as an eight, but solid seven. I'm with you. I like there's some great martial arts. There's some great shootouts, great explosions, and a great little uh, escape the island there in the middle of the film. So seven for me. 
All right, let's move it over to Exit Wounds. What are you getting the score for Spectacle there? Very similar to Double Team. I just like the style of Double Team a little better. So I ended up with a seven on Exit Wounds. And I think a full point of that is probably the, the very cool, you know, DMX music and hip hop soundtrack was a lot of fun. But yeah, I like it at a good seven. Well, there's another match game for you, folks. I gave it a seven as well. Like you said, a little bit different flavor of action, uh, but I liked it about the same as I like Double Team's flavor. Jason Lady has a say, too, so let's go to our sniper and see who's getting the bullet. I've got to give it to Exit Wounds because there is nothing with cinematography and stunts and special effects and all that. If it does its job, you don't really notice it so much, right? And I felt like there was kind of some gaffes and some stuff in Double Team where it kind of took me out of the movie here and there. Whereas Mm -hmm. there wasn't much of that at all with Exit Wounds. Like everybody behind the scenes just did what they were supposed to do and did it really well and captured the kind of movie they were trying to make. So I got to give it to Exit Wounds. All right, there you have it. And that's a wrap. Spectacles in the bag, and it's time to go to round five. Pass it over to my brother who can pass it right back. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's go to round five. Round five is the best action scene. So we're going to get my brother. He usually does the breakdown of one of the more prominent action scenes. We will start with double team. What do you think the contenders are that might get some uh, awards from us in this uh, episode, Jason? All right, for double team. I'm counting the opener, or what I call the truck is the best actor in this movie. (laughs) Number two is the circus slash hospital fight, or what I call, it's a boy, did I screw up. (laughs) He was a dark one. Three, escape the island, or I can't make my play until I can make my legs do a 180. (laughs) Or number four, the reunion ambush, or... It's a boy. Did I screw up again? (laughs) Number five, the Rome fight or geez, man, you need to shave those toes. (laughs) The sixth one is the arena fight or what I call that Coca-Cola ad placement is about as subtle as the rest of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I noticed it as well. All right, that's a lot of action scenes to choose from. Uh, Let's just kind of pick our favorites from this one. Jason Lady, uh, what was your favorite action scene in Double Team? A runner-up for me is the fight in the hotel suite, the martial arts guy gripping the knife in his foot inexplicably. Uh, That was a really good fight. Barely enjoyed it. But you got to give it to the final battle. Final battle in the ancient Colosseum with landmines and a tiger chasing everybody around capped off by surviving an explosion via the power of coca-cola product placement (laughs) so i had in my notes almost exactly what you had too (laughs) and the mickey Rourke death scene again is a death scene for the ages so i gotta give it to the final battle in double team all right i kind of lean towards that mid-movie fight too at the hotel guy needs to cut his toenail i really quite liked that one i i would love to give you know what I can do what I want on the show. I'm going to give it to the Mission Impossible style escape scene from the island. I was just so engaged. Like, it's not as energy filled as the others with the martial arts and all that, but it is just engaging as heck. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because it's all about what we score it, but that's going to be my favorite. Jason Albrecht. I'm with you. My favorite action scene was the island escape. That one really did have a kind of a Mission Impossible flavor to it that was unique to the film that I enjoyed. Nice. 
Well, folks, we are just back from a couple of technical uh, issues uh, with the internet. And so if Jason sounds a little different, we are no quit here at Action Film Faceoff. He has come in on his telephone to finish the episode. So, Jason, uh, how about the action scenes of Exit Wounds? What are the highlights there, according to the Weasel Skull? Yeah, my internet had the audacity to crap out at the part everybody likes. I mean, everybody looking forward to these clever names I give these, <laughs> these action scenes. The temerity. So, seven action scenes in Exit Wounds. First was the bridge fight, or as I called it, well, I didn't know he was a terrorist. I saw the earring, thought he was LAPD, and knew some stuff was going to go down. Ridiculous. <laughs> ah, sorry if there's any LAPD fans out there. You know Toronto cops laughing, though, right? <laughs> Second one is the punk fight when they're trying to break into his truck or what I call stunt double, please. <laughs> the ridiculous kick. The ridiculous. Yes, the with the handstand windmill, whatever. <laughs> the third one was kind. Of, it was kind of a long one, but it was that first Seagal DMX fight scene, or what I call, he'll have to grill him later. Because <laughs> he was handcuffed to grill. Never mind. the grill. Fourth scene was the club fight when they go to the club, or what I call, check out this chain reaction. Yeah, because he used chains. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I'm all up to speed. All right. Fifth one, the van kidnapping slash fight slash escape, or what I call seatbelts for safety. (laughs) The sixth one was the shootout slash car chase with the lady cop boss, or what I called her story ended abruptly. (laughs) Didn't it, though? It really did. I was like, oh, where was this going? Oh, nowhere. Nowhere, apparently. (laughs) And then finally, the final fight, or but Black Dynamite, I sell drugs to the community. <laughs> <laughs> you won the day on the last one, I think. Jason Lady, lots to choose from. What was your favorite action scene in Exit Wounds? My favorite action scene from Exit Wounds was uh, the fight inside the van. Uh, the moving van where Steven Seagal is handcuffed inside. He's still fighting the bad guys, even though he's handcuffed. You have random exploding cars for no reason. You have parked cars just getting wrecked. Uh, you have mirrors getting knocked off of parked cars. You have a bad guy ends up hanging off the door and gets just like smashed into a parked car. I was just like, oh, when that <laughs> happened. Oh, snap. The van flips over while it's on fire. Seagal barely gets out in time. Love that scene. Really thoroughly enjoyed that. Hey, man, you're selling me on that, man. You're selling me. Before you brought all that up, I was really kind of liking the one in the club with the chains and the two really big dudes, the bouncers. Uh, you know, again, it doesn't matter. So I'll just stick with mine, although I, you might have sold me on yours, Jason Lady. Uh, what about you, Jason Albrecht? I'm going to go with Butt Black Dynamite. I sell drugs to the community. There's just <laughs> a lot of cool little fights going on in there. And I just love seeing Bill Duke going old school shootout. Oh. That was really cool. Oh, yeah. Now, see, now you're selling me. Because when I saw him at the beginning, I was like, oh, cool little, you know, Bill Duke cameo. And then at the end, when he's busting caps and laying out fools, I was like, oh. Yep. Bill Duke is back, yep. <laughs> that was very cool. Very cool. All right, well, let's go ahead and score these. Uh, we all have a variety of favorite action scenes. Let's go back to double team. The action scene that you love the best, Jason, or the aggregate, however you want to play it. What do you give the action scene of double team? 
before I, because I forgot to do it before, I got to check my notes. Oh, all of a sudden you got a halfway decent connection. So you're playing games over there. I do. I do. Now I can, can do fun and games. Double team. I gave that scene a seven. And we're close again. I I think I'm just a little more uh, in love with JCVD than I maybe should be. I'll talk to my counselor about it. But because I saw gave that JCVD it. thing recently, so now you're yeah, that may be it. Um, he's got those but, rose co- colored glasses on, right? Yeah, now. and he's in the news again for the Mortal Kombat game and all. I don't know. I gave it an eight. I just really liked that escape scene, and I liked a lot of the other action in the film as well. So I think it's a very high energy action film. We talked about energy before. So I, I maybe I was just in a better uh, excitement about it. But anyways, let's go to Exit Wounds. You kind of like the uh, very end, and I dug the club scene, and they're all really good. What do you think about that climactic scene that you picked on a 1 to 10 there, Weasel Skull? I liked it to a tune of a 7. I thought it was a pretty strong finish. Not the greatest in the world, but really good. And again, Bill Duke busting caps. Who doesn't love that? That is really good, actually. Match game. I gave my scene a seven. It's one of those movies where I feel like I could give maybe every scene a seven. Like they're all pretty good and I liked them. At a tip of the cap, even though I didn't pick it, I really like that opener on the bridge. That wasn't really martial arts so much as it was just a really fun shootout. That was cool. Yeah. I almost picked that one. It definitely was strong. Good attention getter. We've got one more sniper bullet to give. So let's go to Jason, our lady, double team exit wounds. Which one has the best action scene to you? Oh, this is going to be tough, man. What do you got? It is really tough. I may have tipped my hand already with this one, though, just because I love that climactic battle in Double Team. So I got to give it to Double Team just because it is over-the-top insanity, the end of that movie. And I was I was completely there for it with the tiger and taking cover behind a Coke <laughs> machine <laughs> and the landmines. I was there for it. <laughs> I have this very strong feeling that Jason Lady and I, well, I already know Jason Albrecht and I have shared this in common with Jason Lady and, and Jason Albrecht and I all love bonkers things in movies because it's just fun. This is fun. All right. Well, that is the end of round five. Well, that's my cue to do round six. Hasta la vista, baby. The deduction round. It's the round where we're going to subtract some points for anything we thought was the low point uh, in either movie. We'll start it with double team and I'll check in with my brother to see if he's going to take any points off of double team. I actually am. I'm going to take off one. I love bonkers. We just said I love bonkers, but sometimes bonkers is forced and those Stupid, make no sense, basketball, parachute, whatever the hell those things are, have bugged me from the first time I saw this movie to the rewatch of this movie. They make no sense. Oh, I pull a cord. Now we're inside a basketball. Yeah. Okay. So you're still falling to your death. Awesome. Like, I don't get it. It's like they just wanted to have basketballs in there because they had Dennis Rodman in there and it just felt forced, contrived. It made no sense. They never used them again. I believe that was a test mission. And you're like, oh, how are you going to use these? We don't. Why does that scene exist? So we can have basketballs in the movie. Minus one. Man, I didn't even think of that one, but you sold me on it. I am also taking one off for another reason. And this, I'm going back to my military experience. And man, those were anti-personnel mines that he had buried in there. Not many nukes. I mean, they just blew apart the (laughs) Roman Colosseum. And that is nowhere near the power of those mines. I mean, it was ridiculous. 
and the firestorm with the Coke machines. At that point, I was just rolling my eyes. Got to take a point off for that. Coke machines? Are there Coke machines in this? I might have missed There's one one or two. Yeah. Ah. (laughs) What about uh, exit wounds? You taking any points off of exit wounds? All right, here's the thing. I have in my notes minus one because of the bad audio balance. Like, I couldn't even fix it. I had to do that. I have minus one for that. But I have a plus one, so it's going to come out clean. I think one of the most overlooked comedic moments of all of film history is when Steven Seagal shows up to the captain on her date. That guy gives him a little sass. He brushes him off. The guy goes like, I'll just go to the bathroom. I'll be back, and this will be all over. Something like that, right? And what does my boy do when he sits down? Starts eating his food, man. He ate that his <laughs> <motherfucker's> dinner. <laughs> like it was nothing. I was dying. I, my sides hurt. I was laughing so hard. And it's subtle. It's not in your face. And it was just tears were rolling. I thought that is hilarious. So it gets a plus one for eating that dude's dinner. And it comes out clean. The minus one on the audio, plus one, because that is just hilarious. I thought about taking one off for the using the strap to cock the shotgun scene at the end. I don't think that would work. I'm not really qualified on shotgun, so I don't know for sure. I'd have to try it out. But my instincts are like, no, that's that's not going to work. Can you get um, work behind it to actually, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. I don't think you could. I think you just... You throw that up there, and then you slam that shotgun down my face. Right. <laughs> and then the guy come and kill you, I think, is what would really happen. But because I don't have direct experience with it, I'll let it lie. So no points deducted. Do me a favor. Don't try to get any experience. I, I'm not. I'm going to have Ethan do it. Okay. That sounds safer <laughs> to me. Uh, well, before we wrap it up, though, let's see if Jason Lady has any arena grievances. For a double team, when Van Damme's character does his Harrison Ford and the Fugitive dive off the cliff <laughs> into the water to escape the colony, he's down in the water. Random scuba guy attacks uh-huh. him. I felt like I missed something. Like That was Stahl. That guy was, had been following him. That was the guy that was... He hated him by the pool. Yeah, he punched him in the face and said, oh, that guy's got a grudge against me. Yeah, yeah, that was Stahl that followed him in. I knew that was him. I didn't know that... I just didn't get, like, how did he know he was going to try and escape? How do you have time to get prepared and be in the water? How's he? That makes no sense. You're right. Lasers, because that's what happens to him. He gets cut up by the lasers. Why is he not worried about this, you know? So that just kind of... I was just kind of like, what? What, What's going on here, you know? So, and... When you put it that way, it... (laughs) You're right. It does like, clearly Stahl is the superior agent because he thought of everything that Van Damme thought of and was able to surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. underwater. I too cut exactly. off my thumbprint so I could be here to <laughs> stop you. It's a lot like the other guy being allowed to leave the island. They set up all these firm rules for this is how the colony works. And then these two guys just break them. <laughs> Blatantly yeah. break them. And it's like, how? Why? Yeah, that took me out of the movie. I was like, where'd Scuba Guy come from? <laughs> you know, I want to give credit where it's due because I gave it, and this doesn't compare to me to the humor level of Seagal eating that dude's dinner. But mm-hmm. I, my best laugh from Double Team was when he does climb up, you know, Living Daylight style the net and gets in there. And the dude spots him and he goes, You have a parachute? <laughs> as soon as he asked him, I was like, Oh, it's going to be a bad day for this guy. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah that's pretty funny. That was funny. <laughs> that was that was good. <laughs> well, I think that's it. Time to score them. Yep, that is the end of our official rounds. Okay, folks, don't worry if you have not been keeping up with the math. We do that for you here at Action Film Face Off. But let's check in with Match Game. If you guessed one, two, three, four, five match games, then you're a big winner because that's how many times we matched on this episode. Sniper points. Let's take a look at the breakdown. A pretty fair balance here. Our sniper Jason Lady gave three of his bullets, two exit wounds, and two to double team. And looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face Off with a score of 75 to 70. Exit wounds. That was a tight one, but congratulations to Exit Wounds. Now it's time to move on over to the randomizer. I guess we should also mention that it's going to be a little special episode coming up because we've got the Halloween episode. So we got horror film face-offs are coming. But what years are we going to get? Well, my brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. Nineteen eighty-nine, and I will bring a film from. Choose your destiny. Nineteen ninety-three, and what will those films be? Well, we'll release them on social media for those of you who want to find out and watch before listening. And we're thinking of you, Dave. Or you can just tune in next uh, episode, Cold, and find out that way. But until then, I'm Jason Weasel Skull Albrecht, and you can find me on social media at Jason Albrecht on Thread or Jason Albrecht on Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, a.k.a. Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist on X, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist, or you can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. I want to thank Jason R. Lady for being here. Jason Tell people how they can uh, get in touch with you and perhaps check out your cool books that you write for the middle school age kids. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me. It was great to be on Action Film Face Off. I'm a fan. It's good to be a guest and uh, be able to participate. This was a blast. So thanks for having me. Um, Like you said, I am a children's book writer. Um, I am the author of three books called The Magic Pen Adventures. Uh, They're about middle school kids who get a hold of a magic pen. Everything they draw becomes real when they draw it. And they get into all sorts of shenanigans as they draw things they think will make their lives better and actually won't. Uh, the titles are Monster Problems, Super Problems, Time Problems are the names of the three books. They're available via my website, www.jasonr. The R is very important, jasonrlady.com. And uh, you can find me on social media on Twitter at uh, Jason Lady Author, on Instagram as Jason R. Lady Author, and Facebook as Jason R. Lady author. And my books are also available on Amazon uh, if you want to find them there. You should write some pirate books so you can call it Jason R. <laughs> R. Lady. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, value added every time he hits the mic, that brother of mine. I love I'm it. an ideas man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, check out Mr. Jason R. Lady. And be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on any of your finer podcatchers or on YouTube, or you can check us out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com. 
If you'd like to send a question or a comment, you can do that by hitting us up on social media at Longbox Crusade on X, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all those places you can hit us up at. We actually have our very own feed on X at AFFO Podcast. That'll get you more direct contact with us. But those long box crusade places is fine too. We'd just love to hear from you. And if you want to hear your voice on our show and you want to give us thoughts on matches we've done in the past, this particular match, action films in general, give us a phone call. That's right. I said it a phone call. We have a voicemail line 707 532 5269. That's 707 532 LBOX. Pick up the phone. There you go. We'd love to hear from you and play your voicemail on the show. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. And until next episode, keep your head down and, and your, your knuckles, knuckles up. up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. 